Welcome to the first Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the UR Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as ever is the Canadian who is both competitive and fun, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning, and it, it just seems so long since we spoke, and it's a whole, what, 24 hours. We are somehow stumbling into a double podcast week. I am suffering from withdrawals. It's glad, I'm glad that we were able to podcast again after such a long hiatus. I know, it's... Um... It just seems like I'm doing nothing with my weeks when I've got two full podcasts to edit back to back. What song did you use in the intro uh, <laughs> yesterday? I've never heard of that song before. I meant to do the intro six weeks ago before I went away, and I completely forgot about it until I was editing yesterday. I thought, hmm, I wanted to originally use the Canada Party video, which I think I've sent you before. I wanted to use a quote from there, and I just, it didn't sound right. So I went for. The Canadian classic that is Robin Sparkle's Let's Go to the Mall, with um, the clip that I know Kurt Reptile especially loves, uh, of, I'm going to rock your body till Canada Day. But it fits perfectly with the Hammer Rocks theme. It's so weird. I was so impressed when I did it. Uh, who knew that Robin Sparkle's was a secret fan of Hammer Rocks a Million, uh, an Israeli TV show? Yeah, it's um, from How, How I Met Your Mother. Ah. Uh. The typical Canadian thing, but yeah, I was quite impressed with um, with how it how it went. Basically, I wasn't expecting it to be uh, to be so good. The song or the premiere? Well, both actually. <laughs> Let's be honest; it it was a surprisingly good premiere. But um, when I put the Robin Sparkles and Hammerots together, I I thought mm, I'm not sure if this is going to work, and it worked surprisingly well. It's all you, man. Yeah. Unlike the uh, Let's Get Social one, which took forever for me to get it to actually sound decent. So, yeah, as we mentioned, it was actually quite a good premiere. I was pleasantly surprised with how not crap it was. Producers are going to love that feedback. Congratulations, (laughs) guys. It was not crap. Sincerely, Michael. As we've previously discussed, producers for Canada don't basically listen to us anyway and haven't got in contact with me even when I've asked them to. So, you know... Here's your feedback. It was not shit, and I'm quite impressed. It was a way better premiere than last year's, mainly because of the results, but we'll get there. Yes, we'll get there. Yeah, it was surprisingly not as bad as it could have been. So well done, guys. So the Northwest Territories are our start line, and it's a rugged, untamed frontier. The shoreline of Yellowknife's Frame Lake is the start line for the fourth season of Amazing Race Canada. You know what's hilarious is that when this was when this storyline would have been filmed, this would have been a, like a few days after we had that heat wave uh, here in town where it was over three degrees Celsius. So it's kind of funny that way up there they have to worry about they don't even have to worry about falling through the ice because of how cold it is up there. And it was like would have been like forty or fifty degrees warmer by Celsius. Ridiculous. I think the uh, cast pictures were taken about the 26th of April. Yep, that's that's right around when that 30 or 31 degrees Celsius uh, stretch occurred. That's crazy. Because my favourite thing that I forgot to discuss when we were doing the preview yesterday is getting the cast pictures, getting the high quality versions, and seeing who is wearing a watch and what the, uh, the date that they were taken is. Because it's the first thing I do when I see someone wearing a watch. I think Emmett was the only one with the visible watch. That's kind of like with Public Enemy when they did their... where they were parodied on The Simpsons and, like, I think some sort of crime or something to do with Bart happened. And then each of the people in the band has, like, one has the date and then, like, one has the time in the form of necklaces and stuff. <laughs> and one person had the had the month, so it, it, it's similar to that, minus the blink. It's one of my favourite sort of behind-the-scenes things to snoop on, for want of a better term. And... Continuing Amazing Race Canada's theme of getting them to the start line in ridiculous manners, we've had what it was horse and carriage last year. We had the uh, ice explorers, which is by far the coolest entrance vehicle we've ever seen. We have snowmobiles. Yeah, yay! Snowmobiles up in the up in Yellowknife. I know very little about Yellowknife. Like uh, my one uh, childhood friend, I went to like elementary and high school with. I think he's in prison there now. And my brother's one of my brother's exes lives in Yellowknife, so that's 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 my entire knowledge of Yellowknife going into this episode. So, which story do you want to start with? 
Uh, neither, really. I, I don't think uh, either one needs much elaboration. <laughs> but yeah, Amazing Race Canada seems to be very good at finding cool ways to get into the uh, the start lines. What they need for next season is to use those things that brought people into Hogwarts in the fifth book that uh, Harry Potter and Luna Lovegood could see. I forget what they're called. And I cannot remember that because Order of the Phoenix is one of the only books I know that is better as a film than a book. You didn't like reading all 750 pages? Oh, God, it just... Much like how people don't like to listen to all one hour and ten minutes of our preview podcast, according to Wayne Arthurson. It just dragged on. I'm not going to tell you whether I was talking about the the book or the podcaster. (laughs) So we are introduced to all the teams one by one, as always. So we have Frankie and Amy, who are a bright and colourful mother and daughter, and who will do anything to win, legal or illegal. That that just... (laughs) Just let your imagination roll with what those possibilities could be. Typical BC. It's the, first team that, it's the first time that a team has openly said they'll do illegal things to win the race. So are they going to find a gun and, I don't know, shoot one of the other teams? Uh, uh, extortion? Blackmail? What are they going to do? How much do you reckon that the producer who was sat behind the camera just went, we really need to go over the rules with these guys just in case? Frankie and Amy, they they don't care about the rules. The renegades. Yes, I I like the heart sunglasses though in their in their photos. Those were those were spectacular. They were straight out of Dude Love from uh, professional wrestling. I'm pretty sure that they are the only team with a, an intro image that features tattoos as well. Mm-hmm. Lots of tattoos. We will get onto the intro images because we have four head turns. Four. Lots of Tyrion Ian-esque headturns. Oh, yes. Next up is Anne and Tanya, who are friends for 36 years and typical Italian mamas. And of course, because they're two single women in their early 40s, producers feel it is necessary to play the cougar sound effect, which I feel like always happens whenever you have a team uh, in that demographic. In fact, I think that same sound effect was probably used for when Risha was cast in Big Brother Canada 3. I swear it's, 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 it's the exact same one. But Anantania's intro did not feature them in a trench coat on a street corner in Toronto. Or, or in a dance studio with a pole. Both of which happened with Risha somehow. Uh, talking of Big Brother Canada, next up is Jillian and Emmett, who uh, are best friends but also exes. And competition is their jam. And Emmett shows off his muscles, and they feud over dandelions. So maybe they are going to be the feuding ex-couple that pl- that plagues this season. We will get into this, but your prediction that, oh, they won't be a proper feuding ex team was completely wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, they are wonderful. <laughs> Thank God they dubbed them exes and not best friends. Rita and Yvette were the next ones, and they are twins who communicate non-verbally and are part of a large family. That's 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 actually the same way that Pierre and Michelle communicate, except they communicate non-verbally with everyone else around them, including each other. Especially John Montgomery. Yeah. <laughs> no match chat for you. <laughs> oh, with Re- Reed and Yvette too. Um, it's interesting. Um, I just went for a went for a run this morning, and suddenly right, there was it's just, like there it, was... it's like quarter to eight in the morning. What god awful time do you wake up? Early. Um, anyway, so I was about to go out for a run, and Rita was right there, and I was trying to run as, as fast as I could, but she just refused to leave. So I know how Yvette feels. So next up is the best friends for only a year, but they didn't mention that bit, Anthony and Brandon, who are competitive and fun. They took the uh, express lane to be BFFs. Well, I don't think it's possible to be best friends with someone for only a year, unless you are... Like, really quite lonely. Like if you're in the Big Brother house. Yeah, that's that's different, because every hour in the Big Brother house is like a year in real life. And apparently, they didn't even mention the whole thing with Zoe at all. That didn't, that didn't make it anywhere into the episode. Because that was a huge part of their online bio. They only did that to try and win the Fuel Your Casual Fan Favourite award, and look how that went. Bye-bye, Petro Canada. Right. So they have eight brothers total, and they're competitive... Fun, competitive, and fun. Yeah, that's literally all we learn about them. And next up is um, Julian Lowell, and they met when she needed excuses to touch him. I have no response to that. (laughs) That was just way too um, dirty. 
Yeah, we have standards on this podcast. Do we? No. <laughs> <laughs> and next up was Kelly and Kate, who won't race without their eyelashes. And they have the one in, the, in one of the pictures they show up on screen. One of them looks like Macaulay Culkin with, with the Home Alone pose. And Joel and Ashley are up next, and Joel thinks that Ashley is intimidating because she's a, a strong First Nations woman. And wow, Ashley dissed Miss, Miss Universe. She said that Mrs. Universe focuses on charity, which is, uh, seems like a subtle jab that Miss Universe does not focus on charity. And then we have the wonders of Antoine and Stefan. Small Napoleon. Small Napoleon. Imagine having that as a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stefan is a joker and Antoine is the uh, small Napoleon. If they go to uh, Russia this season, they're they're going to be in so much trouble. I, I think anyone going to Europe in the next few weeks is going to be uh, in trouble. And St- Stefan had by far the best picture pro- uh, pictures from his past. Like they were just the craziest costumes ever. I swear, if they are not fun, I'm going to be so disappointed. I don't know. So for uh, for the rest of this episode, uh, Stefan certainly has quite a few moments. Yeah, like when he's on the monkey bars, he looks like the villain from the movie Speed. Did you notice that? I did not know. He looks just like the guy from Speed. I forget what the actor's name is. That who's the actor from Speed, the one who plays the bad guy? Dennis Hopper. Yes, that's the guy. So yeah, Stefan looked like Dennis Hopper <laughs> when doing the monkey bars. If this gondola goes slower than five kilometers an hour, it's gonna blow up. Whoa. <laughs> That was a perfect, that was a dead-on Keanu impression by both of us. Yes! <laughs> uh, and next up was Steph and Kristen, and they didn't realise each other were hot until they grew up, and they were the last team revealed. Yes, and apparently are super competitive and wake up early. Yeah. They wake up even earlier than Lisey. you got to wake up very early to get things fast, Lisey. <laughs> and did you notice that John's prize speech sounded really awkward? But wait, there's more. I think I think the hotel, the sequester hotel room that they stayed at in Yellowknife, uh, they only had like two channels, and and the one channel had was plagued by infomercials. It was probably like Game Show Network or something, where it's just infomercials and stuff for for ninety percent of the time. It just sounded really awkward, like they were. Um, well, the hotels.com prize especially is a little bit ambiguous in the wording. It's like a trip around the world, maybe provided by Hotels.com, or are the hotels just provided by Hotels.com? Yeah, just just the hotels. They're on their own for the rest of it. You get to see nothing except for nice bedrooms. We'll provide you with hotels around the world. you just got to find your way there. <laughs> so four of the ten teams have a, um, have a simultaneous head turn in the intro, which is just wondrous. It's something that I look out for every single season. But is it a is it like Tiffany and Krista where you have a hair flip then a head turn? They there was one that was close. I seem to remember. Steph and Kristen have the baseball bats. That's unique. Yeah, Steph and Kristen had the baseball bats. We had Anne and Tanya, Steph and Kristen, Kelly and Kate, and Stefan and Antoine all having simultaneous head turns, and obviously that made me uh, me very much happy that Stefan and Antoine had one. They know what's up. And apparently this race is going to be demanding and difficult. One of the toughest races ever. And all I could think was, okay, we're going to get a redux of the Amazing Race Asia 3. Hashtag toughest race ever. Yeah, that didn't end well, did it? For Asia 3? Not particularly. They sort of gave up on that theme about halfway through. And the first half, they had a lot of uh, extreme hay bale type tasks. Where it was like, search through 10,000 DVDs, or five of them that have a clue when you throw the disc in. And then it took so long that one of the teams had to take, we were forced to take the penalty because the mall closed. Hmm, taking penalties because something uh, can't be done anymore. That sounds familiar. Yeah, you're already seeing the parallels already. Yeah, it seems like the random hay bales type task is being replaced by random repelling tasks. And apparently John Montgomery wants them to make Canada proud. Not not China proud or the Democratic Republic of the Congo proud, but only Canada. So Kelly and Kate, uh, Rhea Nevet and uh, Anthony, 
Sorry, you're just gonna you're just gonna have to stick with Canada. I ignored that after uh, the third time we've heard it now. <laughs> make Canada hate you. <laughs> yeah, make sure you're deeply unpopular. <laughs> and go. <laughs> make sure you're the biggest jerks to ever run the Amazing Race Canada. But apologize for afterwards. Yeah, apologize afterwards, and everything will be okay. And drink some of my beer, please. Please, yes. So. Once teams are sent away by John, banished from the Northwest Territories, they have to head to the Northwest Territories Legislative Assembly and memorize a phrase from one of the 11 languages that are spoken in the Northwest Territories. Then they must head into the surrounding forest and find three boards hanging from trees with applicable translations on them. When they have translated the phrase correctly, they receive their next clue and a credit card. And I'll waste no time making the first pun of the season. Yep, he said he wants to take their relationship to a new territory. A Northwest Territory. He actually had to explain his own pun. And Joel and Ashley don't read their clue and just try and memorise the phrase. But the first brownie points of the episode definitely go to Gillian and Emmett for having two of the three and then just correctly guessing it anyway. That's sort of, that's the Big Brother Canada experience coming into play where they have an idea of what phrases, what, what type of phrases can be answers for a task. Because they have to deal with puzzles like that in Big Brother all the time where it's like, oh, you know, power of veto and all that other stuff. But uh, certainly worked in this in a task like this. I would have loved it had they uh, done a completely ridiculous off-the-wall statement. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, don't, don't go to the Northwest Territories or something like that is the phrase. Yes, buy John Montgomery's beer. <laughs> buy John Montgomery's beer and purchase uh, and book your hotel with Hotels.com today. <laughs> what it should have been was just, thanks, Captain Obvious. That would have been the perfect plug. I'm sure we'll get Captain Obvious appearing along the race course sometime. We just need to ask Kurt whether he appeared or not. Yeah, Kurt, I hear, is the stunt double for Captain Obvious. It's gonna, he's going to be the stunt double in the next action film, whether he likes it or not. Fact. But yeah, with the Legislative Assembly, I guess that's the biggest... Del- uh, that's the second biggest landmark in all of Yellowknife. There was really nowhere else to go. I seem to remember the last visit to Yellowknife wasn't particularly interesting. Because they just spent most of their time on the Yukon, right? Was that the one where they did Yukon and Northwest Territories? Yep. And then they're like, oh, we did one thing in Northwest Territories. Now let's do all this fun outdoorsy stuff in the Yukon. And then Anne and Tanya, Stefan and Antoine, and Joel and Ashley are the next three to finish, with Julian Lowell in fifth, and the Teams must now drive themselves to the Yellowknife Airport, fly to Jasper National Park, and find their cars parked outside the train station, which contain their next clue. The first four teams to book their tickets get on the first flight, and the remaining six have to get on the second flight. And the flights are paid for with their BMO MasterCard, which Emmett showed off so proudly. We don't acknowledge their uh, sponsorship, I'm afraid. You don't acknowledge uh, you know, a, a, a bank out of Quebec? You don't acknowledge them? No. Scotiabank oh. for the win. Stefan and Antoine are going to be so pissed. It's alright, by the sound of things, Antoine will only come up to my waist anyway. <laughs> um, so with Jillian there, she looks like she wanted to trade an Emmett for the language expert. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm in love with you. It's like, oh, you, you haven't even said one word to her yet. How, how do you know? <laughs> you've only Actually, you've only said six or seven words, two of which you took a complete guess on. Just bustering her up. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, and there was already a controversy online with some of the comments. Apparently, teams got their clue, even though they didn't say the answer verbatim. (gasps) How could they? I know. Apparently, uh, there was just a set, uh, I don't know how strict the rules were with exact phrase you had to give to the language expert, but people were saying, oh, there's a one word difference here or there, so... Some teams apparently got the got the clue the easy way. How could people cut corners? I don't know, but it just ain't right. So Julian and Emmett then live up to their ex's bunker by having a little class on the way to the airport. Holy hell! <laughs> <laughs> it was getting to the point of turn this car around, Vixen. Yeah. Can you do it faster, Emmett? Oh my god. Go around again! <laughs> You're not listening to me, Blair. You never listen to me, Blair. <laughs> so uh, the first flight contains Stefan and Antoine, Joel and Ashley, Anne and Tanya and Gillian and Emmett 
Anna and Tanya on the first flight. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, it didn't last long. Or Stefan and Antoine, because I, I mean, my bottom two teams for this season that I predicted end up on the first flight. So I was already rethinking, uh, rethinking my, uh, my thoughts on my analysis. So once teams get to their cars at the Jasper train station, which is the train station that I left for Vancouver, they get their clues, and it's a roadblock, which is who's ready to let it all hang out. If we're hammerots, we would know what to expect, but because this is Canadian or American television, that's not quite what happened. Yeah, if it was hammerots, there would be some sort of nudity involved in the task. But because it's Canada, in this roadblock, one team member must take a ride up the Jasper Skywalk gondola, which will stop halfway up the mountain. Then they must climb up onto the roof and around the gondola, cross some monkey bars and to another rope ladder, where they will collect their next clue. If they fall off, they have possibly the most harrowing failure penalty ever of basically a bungee jump, and they will have to go back to the back of the line at the bottom. And after the first fall, uh, their body weight will be supported on a harness. There were so many layers to this roadblock that I don't think people are even aware of. Because first of all, there's there's a it's a major heights related task. B teams are going to be so afraid of heights that they are going to you know that they're putting in their best effort to get across those monkey bars, and then C if they if they if they can't do it then they have to do a major plunge down below, and then there's the extra layer where it's so long in between each team being able to make an attempt at the task that. You now it's a matter of testing the team's patience as to whether or not they're going to take a penalty just because they don't feel like waiting another hour or two to make their next attempt. So there was that to be bright enough to just wait it out. And then there was another layer to it where teams knew that on their second attempt it was going to be made up much easier by the harness, and teams had to figure out that because of that, it would make it so much easier to complete the task and you were practically guaranteed to get your clue on the second try. Didn't Stefan say that it wasn't much easier at all on the second time? I think he did. Yeah, but I mean, a harness supporting your whole body weight, though? That's got to be a pretty big difference. Yeah, he said he couldn't feel the difference, I think. Well, that's because he didn't let go. <laughs> Very true. And I didn't exactly hate the idea of uh, of quitting the task, because if you're going to quit an Amazing Race Canada task, as many teams always do, maybe this wouldn't have been the worst one had you... If you were in the front in the front car, then you're probably going to have to wait about three hours. So if you don't think you'll get it on the next time, maybe quit. But you've got to yeah. quit straight away. you got to quit right after that first attempt, and then you'll have enough time. And you have to be the only team to quit. Because if someone quits ahead of you, you're screwed. However, if somebody quits behind you, that works out very, very well. Yes, it does. <laughs> Do you notice that uh, the the sky tram they were on was called Whistler was Whistler's Mountain? Uh, I wonder if it's right next to Whistler's Mother's Mountain, and there's just a big painting uh, uh, on that one. I did not. Yeah, it's true. You're right in Jasper there. Yeah, Whistler's Mother's Mountain. It's just a big mural uh, right before you go up in the gondola. All right, cool. As you can guess, we, we didn't go to up into the mountains in Jasper. Mm. So it's Stefan, Emmett, Anne, Ashley, Steph, Amy, Lowell, Kelly, Yvette, and Brandon doing this roadblock. And God, those roadblock lists get really long to say. I yep. much prefer it when it's like six teams and it's very easy for me to say them. It's not 12 teams, though. It's not 12 True. teams doing two roadblocks in the season premiere. True, because that, that was just a mess. <laughs> and this is the point where Ashley becomes an absolute star. Oh my god. That all, <laughs> laughing, laughing, terrified, and crying all at the exact same time and combined into one facial expression. <laughs> it was so good. And then, of course, because she compared herself to an eagle, for the rest of the episode, it's the eagle sound effect that plays for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> it's just production joke after production joke. I wasn't sure whether she was crying or not. Which sort of, it was what, what someone would probably dub an ugly cry. <laughs> you could tell that she was just really, really, like, scared out of her wits. But <laughs> it was just ridiculous. 
I think Stefan was scared out of his wits, too, considering his face morphed into Dennis Hopper's. The happy dance, it's a big shift from the happy dance just uh, 12 hours earlier. Yeah, St- Stefan was just wonderful on this task, and we had Antoine basically saying, oh, he's so old, he's had this fear forever, he needs to get over it. I don't think he's over it. <laughs> Something tells me after he careered down 250 feet or whatever it was on a, an accidental bungee jump, yeah, he won't be over it. Yeah. Now he'll have a fear of monkey bars, if anything. Like, if he takes his grandchildren or something to to the playground, it's like, hey, Grandpa, want to join us on the monkey bars? No, no! No! <laughs> Just, he tries to do the monkey bars, he's like, I'm falling, kids, I'm falling, somebody catch me! Get Nerf to do it! <laughs> I'm gonna fall down below. It's only two feet below, Dad! <laughs> Just well lets out this big yell when he drops off the monkey bars. And uh, Anna and Tanya's great driving skills came into play when they got very lost. You saw that one coming, Michael. That's props to you to figure out the hidden clue. I have excellent driving skills. Gets lost on the first driving task of the whole season. It was just one of those things where I read it and go, oh my god, they're going to get lost. Maybe not in the first episode, but they are going to get horrendously lost somewhere. What was never explained, because uh, I know because of how short the premiere is, so producers are forgiven for this, when Anthony and Brandon showed up to that roadblock in ninth, like, they they only beat Anne and Tanya to the, to the roadblock location. Yeah. So I don't know how lost they got. They kept talking about Bambi, though, and we kept seeing deer for the whole episode, too. Well... I have a Jasper Deer story, because we went for a walk in Jasper National Park when we were there, and we must have seen about five different deer around the park, just eating. No more than about six feet away from us. Did you see that one picture I took outside my house where it was like a family of five or six deer that were just in my front yard? I don't think I did, actually. Yeah, this would have been about... One or two months after I moved into the new house here in town. And yeah, there was like five or six deer that were just hanging out in our front yard and then going up to the next street, uh, going through uh, various neighbors' yards. And then eventually they uh, walked away. And then uh, a couple times throughout the near the end of summer, I would go for a walk in the evening. And, and then there'd just always be deer hanging around the cemetery or around uh, some of the other streets that are nearby. So deer is a very... Is a very Western Canada um, component. Yeah, it, it was quite unnerving to just see them be so close, but Jasper is filled with deer and other wild animals, actually. In fact, another uh, quick story with uh, involving deer is that there was one deer in a, just a, that one was uh, hanging around one of the elementary schools about 15 or 20 minutes away from me, and it was also hanging around the surrounding neighborhood. And people were feeding the deer and petting the deer, and the deer kept uh, just hanging around and was getting too used to people. And then the animal conservationists were saying, uh, don't do that. You know, it has to be back in the wild. It's used to people, then it becomes a, a major uh, hazard for the school children and stuff. And then, sure enough, they ended up killing the deer because of, uh, because of how uh, too accustomed it got to humans. And all, and the just and the whole community's like, oh, you're not going to kill this deer. It's a it's a part of us now. And the animal conservation are saying, nope, that's not allowed. And then sure enough, they killed the deer about a few weeks after that. An uplifting story, especially when Anthony and Brandon make a reference to Bambi. And another thing about Ashley being glorious on this roadblock, she didn't even try and swing. She just fell. And Kelly as well. Kelly was the other one who just grabbed onto the bar and went, uh, and fell. I'm small but mighty. Nope. <laughs> didn't Brandon fall right away too? He didn't even make it more than a couple bars. Yeah, I don't. I think Brandon at least swung onto another one. Yeah, Kelly didn't. Like Kelly and Ashley both just fell like a sack of shit. It was like she was a North magnet, and the first monkey bar was also a North magnet, and it was she couldn't physically touch it. Don't talk about magnets. We've got to get back onto hammer rolls then. Oh right, right. Let's let's uh, let's not find an excuse to bring up hammerots every twenty minutes. Uh, let, let's do it anyway. The last roadblock that was on um, was on hammerots with the leg that finished last night involved someone having to strap magnets to themselves and dive into a pool of metal and try and find the one piece that wasn't magnetic. I think Bill Nye came up with that task. 
It's just ridiculous. And how does that even how is that even relevant to Romania? It's either that or a Dracula task. Yeah, they didn't have any Dracula tasks that I know of. Interesting. They're after Namibia now. Ivan the Impaler is just pissed that he wasn't represented. So yeah, Steph has the best tactic which quite a few of the other teams uh, adopt, which is to hook her legs over the bars as well. Yeah, to make sure she doesn't fall. While Kristen openly talks about how good she looks on the monkey bars. That is how you do it. You don't use all your upper body strength, you cheat. Yeah, that's sort of the Frankie and Amy, uh, Amy way. If in doubt, find a loophole. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you think Steph and Kristen did so well in college softball? You know, you just, you know, when you go into slide into second base, you may or may not take out the second baseman's legs. If uh, if you're angry at one of the opposing players, then, you know, you may or may not beam them in the head. Just little things like that that add up that prepare you for the amazing race. And Kelly and Kate and Anthony and Brandon both take a penalty because they can't be asked waiting. But with Kelly, I understood, like, she couldn't even get to the first bar. Like, I can I can understand the thinking there. If, you're, if you cannot complete more than 0.5% of the roadblock on your first attempt... The harness may not make up for the other 99.5% that you weren't able to do. With Anthony and Brandon, though, I think they just got impatient. Yeah, and also, it's 12 monkey bars. That is nothing to be sniffed at. That's not the sort of thing where you can just reach over and get to the other bar. Yeah, you can't pull a see-me with those monkey bars where you, just, where you just hang around the top. Although Leilani still can do, like, the four or five monkey bars. Although she had a good excuse since... She had to be medically attended to earlier in that round, but yeah, these yeah, this is this is twice as mu- many monkey bars as you would see in a normal Soyuz playground. So Emmett and Jillian are the first to leave, with Steph and Kristen in second, and then Kelly and Kate leave in third, but they uh, took the penalty. Rita and Yvette get close, but Yvette drops at the last second, and Anthony and Brandon leave in fourth after also taking a penalty. And the wonder that is Stefan gets the clue in fifth with Ashley in sixth. And due to bad weather, the four remaining teams, Frankie and Amy, Julian Lowell, Rita and Yvette, and Anne and Tanya, must wait for the amount of time that it would take to complete the task. And then they receive the clue in the order that they arrived. And teams must now paddle down the Athabasca River to find their next clue. And Fiat's Reasonary's Canada loves their uh, weather cancellations. Also, this is the point where you realise that actually they are very, very close to the start line of Amazing Race Canada 2. They're probably about an hour or two away from the uh, Athabasca Glacier, which is the way they started. Yeah, we're already seeing lots of overlap by Season 4 in terms of locations. And we get more gloriousness of Gillian and Emmett as exes bickering on the raft. Mm-hmm. I love how she's like, he thinks we're, he thinks we're so far ahead. Well, you are. Like, yeah, he, he, yeah you, you guys are. You guys probably are about at least 30 minutes ahead of Steph and Kristen and several hours ahead of everybody else. Well, we're assuming it took half an hour to get up and half an hour to come back, so they are, they're an hour ahead, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, we will see this with the departure times hopefully next week, but Gillian and Emmett were probably an hour ahead. With Emmett and Jillian, they they didn't want to slow play this at all. They just wanted to prove they're the absolute strongest team in the race. Good luck not getting U-turned, guys. It's going to come back to bite them. It's pretty obvious after last season that producers weren't going to give out the double express pass on the first leg again, thankfully. But they just really couldn't rein it in, could they? No, like, they're just, they didn't think through it at all. I think they're hoping maybe their social game or something keeps them out of being U-turned, but not after you clobber everybody else within, like, the first... About every turn of the of this leg, they were first at everything, pretty much, except for their feud of parking at the airport. Yeah, here's the thing, though. Had Stefan got it on the first attempt, I think Stefan and Antoine probably would have won the leg. And that would have been shocking. If you think, they were third to get the clue in uh, Yellowknife, first to the airport, first to um, the car in Jasper, and then they lost it on the first roadblock. Yeah, and they didn't make any driving mistakes from what we saw on TV either. No, so maybe they should have had Anne and Tanya's great driving skills as one of their uh, strengths. Yeah, I think so, because Anne and Tanya um, may need to have that title removed from them. And Kelly and Kate have a little bit of trouble with their raft when they forget to actually pull it on on shore. 
We're barely halfway into the first episode, and already Kelly and Kate have taken a four-hour penalty, and then everyone else is guaranteed an advantage because of the task being shut down due to bad weather. So it's just everyone just gets to be presumed that they would have completed the roadblock on the second try. And then they leave their their raft drifting in the middle of the, the Athabasca River. <laughs> They're just such a mess. I know you said that you had kind of high hopes for them, but I can't see them surviving ne- next week. I'm sorry. Barely, they're going to be the train wrecks of this season. Like they barely, they barely survive this round due to another team's blunder. In fact, what was hilarious all the way throughout the rest of this episode is that you have Anthony and Brandon being super competitive, saying, "Oh, all we have to do is beat Kelly and Kate, and we're in this, and we're totally going to beat them." Because just, just, just look at what they're doing. They just lately left left their raft in the middle of the Athabasca River, and then you have Kelly and Kate saying, "Oh my God, the Pyramid Lake." It's so pretty. I'm just not being confused at all that they're in a essentially a foot race with Anthony and Brandon for the next couple of hours. If you see someone say, we've got this, we're fine. No, you're getting eliminated if you say that on Amazing Race, I'm sorry. Yes, and they did that against a team who just were like, oh, look, a clue. Oh, our raft. <laughs> in any other season, I think Kelly and Kate probably would have been first boot. Maybe not against Charlotte and Nabila, because, you know, they're a different type of train wreck. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Charlotte and Nabila would have taken that four-hour penalty, too. <laughs> Actually, the prospects of Charlotte and Nabila. <laughs> Doing the monkey bars? Yes! <laughs> and I posted this in a couple of places online, but if Micah from season 15 of The Amazing Race had to do this leg... I know for sure she would have quit that first roadblock. There is no way she's going up in that gondola. Secondly, there's no way she would have gone into the raft to paddle that boat because she hates water. And then thirdly, there's no way she would have done that uh, that other roadblock of going of uh, repelling down. She would have for sure quit at each of those three tasks. And if you construct a leg where you know Micah would quit three times, you have somewhat of a challenging round on your hands. Yeah. Mainly because it'd be water and heights. Mm-hmm. And um, Anne and Tanya are apparently Italian Vikings. Italian Vikings. That sounds like something that would have been forbidden about two thousand or about fifteen hundred years ago. I think they would have been at each other's throats. Yeah. Like that. Like if you were a Viking or if you were Italian, I think that would get you kicked out of the household very fast. An Italian Viking, you've disgraced our name. <laughs> so once teams arrive on their raft they get their next clue which is another roadblock which is who's ready to search high and low and in this roadblock the team member who didn't perform the last roadblock must find two rock canyon search for an abseil station abseil down an 80 foot cliff pick up a tracker and use it to find their next clue hidden in one of three cases in the area why did it say can you dig it on screen for the task when there was no digging involved whatsoever i don't know it's like they just all they want to do is just make that booker t reference and that was it and because no one has any choice, it's Jillian, Kristen, Kate, Anthony, Antoine, Joel, Frankie, Rita, Julie, and Tanya doing this robot. Um, there's not really anything to judge anybody by in this task except for, except for Julie, who messes up quite a bit. Everyone else seems like they just had a fairly smooth uh, go at this. Yeah. So Jillian and Emmett leave in first, with Steph and Kristen in second, Kelly and Kate in third, and Anthony and Brandon in fourth. Stefan and Antoine in 5th, Joel and Ashley in 6th, Rita and Yvette in 7th, and Antonia in 8th, Frankie Damien in 9th, and Julian Lowell in last. And teams must now drive to Pyramid Lake, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in here may be eliminated. Should we talk about the first of two convoys? Convoy. With What was the first convoy? It was Julian Lowell, Frankie and Amy, and Rita and Yvette. Did they, they all went to the, road, the second roadblock together, right? Yeah, they all tried to find it and then couldn't. Yeah, and then there's a second convoy where the exact same thing happened. <laughs> yeah, when no one knew where Pyramid Lake was. So, in a result that shocks nobody, the first team to arrive is, of course, Julian and Emmett. They get a trip to see you. As winners of this leg of the race, they win a trip for two, not from Travelocity, to London, England. But, cruelly, they don't get breakfast in bed. <laughs> no breakfast in bed, oh... They are so choked. It's tradition now. Any time a prize to London is given away, we have to mention whether it includes breakfast in bed or not. Even though that's like eight seasons ago for us now. 
They they will provide tea though. There there is going to be tea. And second was Stefan Christen. Monty was very excited to see Stefan Christen in second place. Come on, girls! Yeah. Yes. How does that feel? I honestly think that he considers them the new Natalie and Megan. Yeah, that's all he's. <laughs> all twenty-something-year-old uh, female athletes are exactly alike. Come on, girls! I, I remember, because I remember all those clips from season two where Natalie and Megan were complimenting on how hot each other looked uh, at various tasks. Yeah, they, they did always discuss how hot Mick and Spoonie looked. <laughs> Spoonie, you're looking hot tonight! <laughs> we need to stop those implications now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Kelly and Kate are the third to arrive with Anthony and Brandon in fourth, but both of them have to serve four-hour penalties before Monty can check them in. So much for Anthony and Brandon saying that they were going to smash them. Yeah. They are not a smasher. They are not a smasher. No, they are not Tina Shear. And um, that did then leave Stefan and Antoine to be awesome in third, and Joel and Ashley in fourth, Julian Lowell in fifth, Frankie Name in sixth, Rita and Yvette in seventh, and Anne and Tanya in eighth. Did you notice with Stefan Antoine, when Antoine was doing the roadblock, how Stefan was just shouting at him angrily in French? Yes. <laughs> when he was descending down, he, it's like, well, where did this, what happened to fun, Stefan? He's just, he's just shouting. He's just shouting at his son. It's the Quebecois legacy. You've got to shout at each other in foreign languages. Yeah. Even if it's just the time, Amore. And given that all the other eight teams had checked in, Monty could then check Kelly and Kate in in ninth. And Anthony and Brandon bringing out the world's smallest violin for them in last place. And they are eliminated from the race. I love how how the time, like, you know how in other times when teams take a penalty that we constantly see the timer and how close it gets to running out or it does run out and the team survives? In this case, the, the closest we saw the timer to running out was around 56 minutes. Like, we always, they only show the timer a couple of times, which shows you that... Uh, they were not even close to surviving this round. Well, if the weather was a bit better, I guess, then they might have survived if a team failed on the second attempt. But still, they needed a whole other hour to go before they wouldn't have been eliminated. And that's with the teams in that last convoy with Anne and Tanya and uh, Rita and Yvette getting lost together again and needing help from the most disgruntled local that I think I've ever seen. Well, given that there was four teams left who hadn't completed the task when the weather delay started, at least one of them probably would have got it, meaning that they wouldn't have had to go back down and go to the back of the line, would they? Yeah, they would have just been able to go again, yeah, when that when there's only four teams left. Like, they would have had a much faster rotation, which is why when Kelly and Kate quit the task, it made a bit, a bit of sense, because, well, all the other teams were still there, except for Emin and Jillian were the only teams who completed it by that point. Yeah. But uh, with when Anthony and Brandon quit, that means that they took themselves out of the rotation because they said, oh, it's going to take forever. But it's like, well, it's not going to take forever after you guys quit the task. Yeah, it completely gave them a massive disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a good idea to quit if you're the first, first team to quit. Doing it second really doesn't help anyone but the team who's quit before you. Yes, and as they said throughout the rest of the round, they kept saying, oh, we're just in a race with Kelly and Kate. And, and then you can't help but think, um, so essentially, you chose to ra race against one team, and that one team is probably started had a 20-minute or so head start on you. Yeah. And you have to make up all that time. And how pissed would I have been had they got non-eliminated here? Oh, the audience would have been uber-pissed. Although I know there's this one fan who only cheers for the alpha male teams. And, are, they, uh, are they literally the worst person in the world? <laughs> he only cheers for the alpha male team. So he's like, oh, I can't believe this round wasn't an elimination link. And I think there were some other people, too, that were pissed off. saying, no, that was unfair to Anthony and Brandon because of the whole... That was a controversy, too, is that people were saying, oh, it was really unfair for Anthony and Brandon to be eliminated when four of the teams didn't, didn't even have to uh, do the roadblock. And I'm thinking, the other four teams didn't quit. They were trying to perse persevere and survive this task. 
Anthony and Brandon just opted out and took their chances. Like they knew the risk involved. Like they could have, they could have foreseen that the weather was going to suck and that the gondola would have been shut down before their second attempt. It's not like something extremely improbable happened and Anthony and Brandon got screwed over. Like they they quit. They quit the task. They took the four hour penalty. And they gave all the other teams a prime opportunity to survive, including Anne and Tanya, who would have been eliminated if not for the if not for the pair of four hour penalties. And what shocked me a what shocked me a little bit is that Anne and Tanya and Regan and the vet work together to the pit stop, knowing for sure that they're in the bottom two. And I love that Frankie and Amy have already probably upset some of the teams by ditching the convoy right before the pit stop. And um, this then leaves one male-male team. And we're only one episode in. <laughs> and it's an it's a guy who, who goes back and forth between having happy dances and shouting angrily in French. <laughs> exactly. If I had to pick any male-male team to be the last one standing, of course it would be someone like, like Stefan and Antoine. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining if they end up going on to win this season. I hope, I hope they, they are major characters for a while. And with nine teams and four non-eliminations to go, they could be around for a while, even if they don't perform quite as well. They're going to be one of the disappointing final boots. I hope not. I think I will be talking about them in the Suki and Jinder style. They really should have won. They were so much a better option than the final three. Do you notice how well Julie and Lyle did at driving? They made up all their time uh, on the driving portion uh, throughout this leg. I suppose that that comes with the territory of being a married couple, so they are good at communicating and that sort of stuff. And they, yeah, they went from dead last at the second roadblock to, well, they made it up to fifth, I think. Yeah, they did. They even beat Frankie, yeah, because they, they were ahead of Frankie and Amy. Yeah, so they're ones to watch, ironically. And do you notice how forced Emmett and Jillian's confessionals were? It sounded like they were in the diary room again, just the way that they were speaking way too loudly, and just it sounded very rehearsed, those confessionals. Well, they have a camera in front of them, and they're, uh, they're just used to shouting. That's how it works. They didn't shout as loudly as like a Peter Brown would, but... It was. I'm thinking, you guys aren't on Big Brother. Just talk normally like 90% of other teams do when they do confessionals. Even other teams who have crossed over from Big Brother don't do amazing race confessionals like that. So, next time, teams have to... Wait, you don't want to serenade Anthony and Brandon's exit? I don't need to say anything I've not already said. I just laughed at them. And that's just rude. I didn't hate them as much as I hated the Voldemussolinis, but they were the weakest part of the cast pre-season they were the weakest part of the cast during the first episode so it isn't a terribly sad goodbye for me i thought i'd make a blunder i just didn't expect it to be you know 15 minutes into the first episode where they would guarantee that they would be first out my dad was watching the episode because he only he's only watched the watches it during the summer so he only sees really the canadian seasons and he was convinced it was going to be a first round non-elimination yeah i had a horrible feeling it might be but mainly because Ten team casts with four non-eliminations tend to go for a first leg non-elimination. Yeah, Mason Race Asia, they did that three out of four seasons, I believe. No comment on any of the seasons you've not seen. Ah. So next time, teams head to Calgary, and there's more abseiling, this time down the Calgary Tower, taking a picture there. There's buses, fish, and another pair of double express passes. I deliberately did not write in my notes... No effing double express pass like I did last year because I knew it was coming. There's fish though, so who's who's scared of fish? Is that it was fish and birdie like animals, wasn't it, Kelly and Kate? I think it was Kate. So Kate's gonna have a fun time. But it was a detour though. Oh yeah, and Lal is going to make about twenty more puns and really try to crack Ellen Wu's record. Probably. I will say, despite the fact I despise the double express pass. I am much happier that it is won by a challenge rather than by a, uh, oh, you won this leg. Have two massive advantages. There's going to be, it seems like there's two separate express passes that are going to be up for grabs in the leg. If they do that, then I will be very happy with them. If they don't make it a double express pass, they make it two express passes. Here's a hypothetical situation for this first round. What if Kelly and Kate and Anthony and Brandon both survive the penalties and Anne and Tanya get eliminated because they weren't willing to separate themselves from Reed and the vets on the way to the pit stop. 
would that have been a huge blunder? Oh, that would have been a massive blunder. But as we've previously discussed, it was very unlikely to happen. As soon as Anthony and Brandon take the second penalty, you can pretty much game over them. Yeah, especially when it's a four-hour penalty as opposed to a two- or three-hour penalties that we typically see. I'm not rooting for Kelly and Kate to go home necessarily, but if they did, it wouldn't be a shock next week. Yeah, I hope they're just our season-long train wreck, because it's been pretty hilarious with them so far. We need a complete bumbly team, but I would rather they go home over teams that I enjoy more. Anne and Tanya can go home, because they basically didn't provide much. But I just love how like one of like Brandon's quote at the pit stop would be an eliminated was, shouldn't have taken that penalty. And I'm thinking, no kidding. <laughs> yes, no you shouldn't. You idiot. Idiots! So is there anything else to say about this leg? Uh, hoping the mayor of Calgary makes an appearance. He's a pretty hilarious guy on Twitter. That's all I got, because it's downtown Calgary, so... Yeah, does that mean we're not going to get a driving leg next week? doesn't. I think it's going to be a lot of taxis, because they specified downtown Calgary, so there's not going to be a huge amount of self-driving, which, I mean, I'm craving self-drive rounds after two seasons of the American version, where we got a total of one self-drive leg over the course of 24 episodes. So... Thank you for listening to the You Are Team Number podcast. You can join us every Wednesday for more Amazing Race Canada recaps. And if you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at RTV Warriors, or on our own Twitter pages, MJ Helmstone for me and Logs for Gwaki for Logan. Thank you, and see you next week. Alrighty. See ya.